Hello everyone, welcome to another Teacher's Coffee. Hello George, how are you today? Hello, hello Natasha. Um, well, how can I possibly be? Uh, strict lockdowns all over Europe, increase of COVID cases, uh, remote teaching, education is affected a lot. But uh, as we have said many times from this uh, position and from this show, we are locked but not down. So yeah, I'm perfectly fine. Never down. We always try to do our best to stay positive and we always try to do our best to have the best uh, guests and positive people that have to say something out to the world and uh, deliver, you know, the positive and the right messages to everyone so that we stay with a big smile on our faces. Absolutely, and today's guest, I can guarantee, is the right person to do that. You know, lift the spirits, um, convey some positive vibes, and um, prepare us, pave the way for a relaxing and optimistic um, weekend. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you know, in the other side of the microphone, you know, from her house in the UK, we have the one and only Sharon Collins. Sharon, how are you? Welcome to oh. Teacher's Coffee. Oh, George, I'm fine. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me. And can I say hello to all the people in Teachers Coffee? Because I know so many of you from Facebook and from doing various seminars. And it's a pleasure to be here and talk to everybody. Well, thank you very much for accepting. Uh, you have told me many times, but from which city do you exactly are speaking to us right now in the UK? You are um, in Brighton. No, not at all. I'm about 350 miles away from Brighton. I'm in the north, in the northeast, in a city called Newcastle-upon-Tyne, famous for its Roman wall, which stretches from one side of the country to the other. I'm a mile from the Scottish border and about, sorry, not a mile, an hour. I'm an hour driving from the Scottish border and another 45 minutes from Edinburgh. And just before the show, you told us that it's snowing right now or there is a lot of snow outside the house. Yes, we have a lot of snow, loads of snow, and the children are playing, making snowmen, sledging down hills. It's a pleasure to see everybody having so much fun, even though they are trying to keep their distance. Excellent. Um, as a brief introduction, I must say that uh, I, I haven't known Sharon for a lot uh, for a long time. We've met like two years ago in a conference in Lisbon. And what a happy coincidence, we have birthday on the same day, so we connected immediately after we delivered two presentations there and we chatted a lot about them before and after the presentation and we find, you know, found such a nice connection because Sharon is a person um, who is very multidimensional, she knows a lot of things. Uh, of course, she's, I think she's an expert on communication and uh, pronunciation. We will talk about these things later on. But above all, she's uh, a really bright personality and um, it's always a pleasure talking to her. So just to get the ball rolling and start this interview, um, I know that um, we had this chat a while ago uh, and maybe it, it, 
it's not that much about your uh, forte or your specialization, but right now you told me that you do a lot of online teaching. So I think people should know um, what is your opinion regarding this scheme? And uh, if I may say, what do you think is the right recipe for a successful online teacher? Okay. Well, can I say, first of all, when I first started working on Zoom, I was really scared of it. I had worked on Skype. I like Skype. I still like Skype. But um, I was getting links for Zoom, Google Hangouts, Microsoft Meets, all kinds of things, Blue Button. And honestly, it was so much. I was very, very nervous. So I do think that some of my earlier lessons weren't actually very good. I had too much to think about and too much to worry about. So I had to get used to using all the platforms. And then, of course, I had to get used to engaging my students and finding a way that we could work together and all enjoy our lessons. What I would say now is that I think online teaching is brilliant. And I feel that face-to-face -face teaching, I almost think of it as being old-fashioned. Because now, with, the, with this wonderful computer and all the things connected, I can be in Malaysia one hour, Italy the next, Spain the next. And I very often say to my family, well, I'm away to Italy. I've just come back from Spain. And it allows me to go all around the world. Saron, are you there? I'm there, sorry, the music came in. And I would also say that I think students feel more comfortable in their own homes. So if I'm teaching somebody who's sitting in their living room, I think I get more out of them. Plus, George, I have to say, I don't spend time driving. I don't spend time getting to a place. I have so much more free time. I don't spend as much on petrol. I'm not using my car as much. So for me, Online teaching is the future. What do you think? I, well, I that sounds cute, actually. I also agree with you, Sharon. I think that uh, not, if not the future only, I mean, not only online teaching, but it's definitely part of our life. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Do you know, before online teaching, I would crisscross my city in my car, driving to, let's say, Procter & Gamble one day, delivering a lesson there, then driving to another large company about 10 miles away, de delivering another lesson there. And I don't know, um, fellow teachers, if you've had the experience, you get all ready, you drive to a company, you sit down, ready for your lesson, and somebody comes in and says, I'm very sorry, Mr. Jones has a meeting now. And it's so frustrating. And if you're in your own home and somebody cancels so quickly, it's not so bad. But when you've driven so far and you can't even do the lesson, even if they're paying you for it, it's I used to find that quite frustrating. Absolutely. Absolutely. But as um, we have said many times, I think that online teaching is here to stay and we should not 
consider it as like the future, but as the present, because I cannot see any sign in the horizon right now that this will simply go away, be abolished or stop, even after COVID goes away, for the reasons that you have just mentioned. I think they reflect and they resonate a new reality in teaching, which is maybe closer to the way of living. Uh, as we have said many times, it's still effective, and it totally depends on the teacher, according to our opinion. It doesn't have to do with the devices, technology, or the software. It's 100% a teacher-centered function, uh, performance, or task. Uh, so we think, and Natasha thinks as well, that uh, online teaching is here to stay. And it's better to adjust, develop it, embrace it, and make it as better as, as it gets, as good as it gets. Yes, I, I always say I've come to terms with it. But I, I'm interested that you use the word performance because I, I feel that when you're online, you have to give twice as much of yourself, even though your students only see half of you. We've all made this joke about teaching in our pajamas, but Basically, we could. But the thing is, they only see most of the time your head and your shoulders. So I feel you have to be more animated. You have to try even a little bit harder to engage them. And that skill has to be developed. And as teachers, we are performers. But I think this skill of performing comes very much into play when we're online. Because if nothing else, we have to engage our students. If they don't like our lesson, if they're not enjoying it, they're not going to perform. So I'm constantly looking at their bodies, looking at their eyes, seeing if they're paying attention, seeing where their eyes are going and constantly talking to my students and saying things like, are you with me? Does this make sense? What do you think about this? So it's a give and take all the time to make sure that your students are really engaged because we can't move around. We can't go up and down the classroom side to side. None of that exists anymore. So I do feel we have to try a little bit harder. You're so right, Sharon. So um, what about this uh, thing, uh, communication experts? I mean, I know that you're deeply involved in that. Uh, but could you please explain to us what uh, this kind of involvement uh, requires? I mean, uh, what kind of um, um, activities do you like using with your students in order to make them better at communicating and to use probably, I don't know, to speak up more or to use uh, oral activities more in order to be able to communicate more effectively with everyone? What do we mean by this term? Okay, Natasha. Well, just let me give you some background. I am actually a German teacher. So when I teach, I'm a non-native teacher as well as a native teacher. I also teach French. And one day somebody came and asked me if I could teach them elocution. Now, elocution, as you will know, George, comes from the Greek to speak well. And so I gave right. this some thought and I started teaching pronunciation, not only to um, non-natives, but to natives as well. And I did this for quite some time, developing some good programs to teach people the sounds of the British language. And I have to say, I teach British English. Now, 
we could have another program on the debate about teaching British English. Because as you know, English has taken on a life of its own at the moment, and it is not necessary to speak British English. But I teach that. So when I started teaching elocution, I realized that elocution and pronunciation is only part of this great big umbrella of communication because there is no point in speaking well if your body language looks as if you want to run away or if you look nervous and anxious or if your voice is too quiet or you don't speak so clearly. So I started teaching pronunciation as well. And very often if you go on Facebook, you see questions such as how can I get my students to speak? How can I get my students to have confidence to stand up in the classroom and speak? And the truth is, people hate public speaking. They fear it almost as much as they fear death. So I teach a lot of confidence. And by teaching confidence with pronunciation, which I call communication, we teach our students to have the confidence to stand up and speak. I teach them to speak slower. I teach them to have pauses in between their sentences to deliver the language in little chunks. I teach them all kinds of things in communication with the end product that somebody can stand up even in a foreign language give a brilliant presentation, give the presentation of their lives using the full force of their body, their body language, as well as their voice, using light and shade, using intonation, tonality, all of these things which make your voice beautiful. As you can hear, I could go on forever about communication, but I just think as teachers, it's really rather nice to teach communication at the same time because in the end our students will be so grateful when they can give these brilliant presentations. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yes it does and I'm very happy that you actually mentioned that because I'm also a communication fan but what you described right now is like you know um, delivering a, a short uh, um, a presentation on drama at the same time because it's a combination of communication and uh, uh, communicative skills and dramatized skills as well I mean connected to theater somehow these pauses and uh, you know uh, intonation and uh, that thing and it reminds me you know of lessons i uh, connected to theater somehow i don't know if i'm wrong no you're perfectly right i happen to love drama and what i realized was if you really want to hear somebody speak beautifully in their own language listen to them reading a poem when they read a poem particularly a poem they love they articulate very well, they give their voice light and shade, tonality, and it's a whole it's a whole program which they deliver to you in this beautiful poem. So I started writing my own poems. I've actually got one here if you would like to hear it, but for every sound which I deliver in the British language, I try to make a poem, which means I've got quite a lot of poems. And it is practice and more practice which gives you a good voice 
and a good delivery. So yes, it is about drama and through drama, you help your students to be confident and they love it. They really love it. I think what you have just uh, analyzed, Sharon, and honest, honestly, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I can't actually, uh, I, I want to have more of this, you know, I would love to listen to the poem, but I think you know, we need to realize that what you have just said, all these techniques or tips, they are not like um, the tip of the iceberg or simply, you know, a secret sauce or maybe the final touch. I think they are fundamentals of communication and uh, they should be part of every single curriculum and they should be part um, of uh, every uh, everyday teaching, you know, for any language teacher. I think this should be taught every day in the classes native, non-native, because they are essential parts of effective communication and not simply a speaking lesson. Yes, yes, I, I do agree. For example, in teaching communication, you have to teach listening skills. You have to teach people how to be a good listener, to give other people a platform to speak. Um, a lot of nationalities don't like small talk. And a lot of nationalities, particularly the British nationality, love small talk. So sometimes I spend quite a bit of time teaching people to give small talk. It's very easy if you're talking to a British person, just talk about the weather. Our weather changes all the time. There's always something to talk about. But small talk is the icebreaker. It's a reaching out to someone else to say, I would like to engage in conversation with you. And then there are conversational skills. Some people don't like having a conversation. They just want to say what they say and finish and get rid of it. But actually, listening skills, conversational skills, body language, all of these things are really important. And I do agree with you. If we taught them every day in school, our students would be very good communicators. I do find sometimes that the Americans, for some reason, are very good at public speaking. I've been listening to um, everything which is happening with Donald Trump over the last two days and just listening to the lawyers, they deliver with such beauty, such force. It's intoxicating and it's so engaging. I just want to listen to them all the time. So small talk is the answer and the secret to everything. I mean, to effective communication, right? <laughs> well, it's the beginning. It's the icebreaker. It's the sign that I would like to talk to you. If somebody is standing at a bus stop, which happens in England a lot, and that person says to you, have you been waiting long for the bus? Or isn't it cold today? They, what they are really saying is, would you like a little chat? And it's the basis of a relationship. Let's say you meet somebody, let's say you are in sales and you're going to sell a product. When you meet the person for the first time, you make small talk because small talk is the basis of a future relationship. It's the, be it's the very, very beginning. And so small talk is incredibly important. And I, practice it with my students and people say, well, how do I do this? And I say, start to be interested in everything. Start to be interested in people. Find out things about people. Find out what people like so you know 
what to say when you have small talk with them. It's about, it's also not only giving small talk, it's about being fascinated by life in total around you so that you've always got something to say. Absolutely, Sharon. Now, let's move to another thing, but which is also relevant to what we have been discussing since the beginning of the show. You talk about pronunciation skills, communication skills, but let's move from the specific to the general. Skills in general, because I think this period of our lives that we are um, inside our houses, we come to realize that we may need to acquire more skills. So maybe it's time for that course that we never attended, or the, that diploma, or any other, that webinar that we may watch so to be more educated on a specific field. Do you feel that this is important for teachers acquiring different skills today? I, 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 I have always felt that acquiring more skills is very, very important for teachers. There are thousands and thousands of English teachers and we need them all. But if you have another skill on top of your ability to teach English, you have something more to offer. So I, throughout my working life, I've always developed new skills. Um, I had the lucky opportunity once to be the official English teacher at Newcastle United Premier League Football Club. And I was teaching Spanish and French footballers. Now, I didn't know very much about football. So I made it my job, my homework, to develop my language skills in the football area. And I learned all the terminology in Spanish and all the terminology in French so that I could help my students. And I did that by using Yahoo Sport. It was quite easy. But it was a skill which I developed, I felt, out of necessity. And I think we do develop our skills out of necessity. But if we can develop them before we need them, so much the better. But I've always found that. I even developed my skills of teaching mathematics to children. I know that sounds weird because I'm an English teacher, but I discovered that teaching primary maths was a lot like teaching the English language, a lot of repetition, a lot of logic. And so now in lockdown, can you believe this? I'm teaching mathematics, English, I'm teaching French, German, and what I'm most proud of, I'm teaching Latin, George, a language I love so much. So developing skills helps you to survive. It adds value to yourself and therefore helps you to add value to other people. Well, that's amazing, Sharon. I mean, one, one language leads to the other one, I guess. Uh, but let's move on to another uh, skill of yours because you're also a successful editor of uh, AFL magazine and NLC magazine. So um, what can you share with us from these two experiences you had? I mean, uh, with something that is uh, remarkable for, uh, to mention for any language teacher that might be listening to us right now. Well, I think if you're an English teacher, if you're an English teacher, you can certainly write. So writing articles, even writing books, isn't so difficult because we use language every day of our lives. And therefore, if you can write, you can edit because you know your language so well as well. 
I fell into editing because a friend of mine had a magazine. It was EFL magazine. And his editor had simply disappeared off the face of the earth. And so the owner of the magazine, Philip, asked me if I would help him out for a few weeks. And I stayed two years. And again, it was a learning curve because although some writers write a brilliant article, some writers need more help. And that's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed making, establishing relationships with other teachers who wanted to write but weren't very confident. So I helped them with their language and their style. And it was just an amazing job. And I gave it up because it was a rather large obligation every month. And I took on, a, and by the way, EFL magazine, I believe, had 45,000 readers. But then I went to a much smaller magazine to do with neuro language coaching, and I set this magazine up. And it was the same thing again, encouraging writers, helping them with their style, editing their work, and producing a magazine, which is something beautiful. So... I honestly feel anybody can do it if any English teacher could become an editor because they know their field so well, which is language. Excellent, Sharon. Fantastic. We have five more minutes. I want a few words about your Facebook page or club, Message from England, and your poem, just to for, a, for the epilogue. Okay, well, George, this has gone so quickly. Well, let me give you the poem first, because as I said, I teach sounds, British sounds, through poems. And the one sound is the diphthong O. Now, some people make the diphthong O short, O, 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 O. So this poem is to teach someone to, to say the sound O very well. And it's a poem called Lola Bone. Now, Lola Bone is a family member. And I was looking for a name with the sounds of O, Lola Bone. So here's the poem. It's for children. There was a girl called Lola Bone who loved to say the word no. She would stamp her feet and shake her head and just say no, no, no. Blow your nose, said Mummy. No, said Lola Bone. Clean your teeth, said Mummy. No, no, said Lola Bone. It's ballet day today, said Mummy. Do you really want to stay at home? You know you love your dancing. Come on now, Lola Bone. Well, all right, said Lola, smiling. I do want to be in the show. Hurry, Mummy, get my coat. I think it's time to go. So that's my poem. Excellent. And if, if you were looking at it, you'd see a lot of the O sounds, which I highlight so that people pronounce O correctly. So that was my poem. That was an example of the poems I write for every sound. And sorry, George, what else did you ask me? That was excellent. I have to tell you that also. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh so Sharon, cute. it's excellent. <laughs> so cute. Oh, great. Oh, great. Oh, sorry, the Facebook page. I remember. Well, yeah. I still I started my Facebook page message from England during the first lockdown when I felt people needed help. So I started a weekly webinar 
on a Sunday afternoon called Message from England. And the idea was that non-native teachers, teachers particularly, could simply hear a British voice with a British accent if that's what they wanted to teach. So it was a very eclectic mix. I spoke about what had happened during the week, the events of the week, what had happened to me. I gave some explanation of some sayings like the famous, it's raining cats and dogs, which by the way, nobody says, but everyone is taught. And um I just had a lovely time chatting to people for one hour and it was really quite successful. So now I have the Message from English Facebook page that anyone can join and I just explain anything which I just answer questions really. Any questions on the English language, communication, pronunciation, I'm just there and ready to help. Sharon, thank you so much for this interview. It was really, really amazing. I'm sure uh, the people have enjoyed it, people listening to us right now. And of course, Natasha will upload the file through Mixcloud. It will be on our Facebook page for quite a while. And uh, you can all enjoy this as well. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, you're very welcome, George. Can I just make you laugh? I thought that this... Please. I thought this radio pro pro program was also a screen where you could see, uh, you could see me as well. So I got all dressed up, George. I've got my earrings in. I've got my nice dress on. I've got my makeup on, and nobody can see me. So I could have been in my pajamas. <laughs> but you know what, Sharon? Since you brought it up, and I realized that after many many webinars. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm doing this with casual clothes or I'm putting, you know, something more formal for the upper part of the body. And usually, you know, I'm, you know, the, the down part is like pajamas. But every time, you know, I'm dressed up really well, if the people cannot see me as a whole and I put a little bit of perfume, it makes me feel better, more confident, even though people will never smell the perfume or see uh, my my total outfit. Yep. So, yeah, I think it I, makes well, sense. Let's incorporate all of the senses. Sharon, we're waiting for a photo of yours to see your makeup and your earrings and everything. And George, maybe we will need to find some, some you know, a way to, to communicate the messages and the feelings that are generated by your lovely perfume. <laughs> Why not? I, I think you call that smell-o-vision. Oh, wow, that's another new word we learned today. Great, smell o vision okay. Okay. Thank you very Thank much, Sharon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. It was lovely. Okay. Thank you, Natasha, as well. And from me, it's goodbye until next week. Um, let's not reveal the name of the guest. Everything has been booked. Everything has been prepared, as we did with Sharon. You will find out either on Wednesday or Thursday when Natasha will give you our promo banner or teaser. Until then, bye-bye and have a lovely weekend from me.
Well, yes, we always have uh, nice surprises for everyone and uh, I have to reveal only that, that we have already booked February and uh, one guest for March. That's the only thing I can say so far. So, uh, it's goodbye from me as well and stay tuned because we have uh, many, many lovely guests, many ideas, many new things to uh, communicate and also nice music. Goodbye, have a lovely weekend. Searching for love, searching for love, searching for love.